Hi, and welcome to the Fourth Dimension Podcast. We're back. Here sure. is Amen. Alex You don't Parkinson. need a, a man or woman of God to necessarily lay hands on you in order to see something happen. Amen? Amen. So, you know, I know the Bible says that we shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But that's just one way in which healing is transferred. Am I right? That's just one way it happens. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier, but in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is in a village and it said the power of God was present for healing. Think about that. The power of God was present for healing. It wasn't necessarily, I lay hands on you and you recover. It was the power of God was present in the place for healing. That's amazing. Amen. And so the presence of God is here. And uh, listen, I just want to uh, take a second to honor the Holy Spirit in another way. We've been worshiping and we've been praising the Lord. But I want to just stand up real quick and uh, start this thing off right. Because I believe many of you guys came with expectation. Amen. And you came with hunger inside of you. And I just want to give Jesus the honor and the first fruits of worship just before the preaching and just before anything takes place. We just want to say, uh, Lord Jesus, that you already have all the glory. Lord Jesus, you're already King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and we exalt you tonight. And we thank you, God, that you're not a man that you should lie. But, Lord, you promise to heal the sick. You promise to open the eyes of the blind. You promise to cure the leper, to cure the paralytic. Father, you promise to save, to heal, and to restore. And, Lord, we want to thank you that you're not withholding back anything from us. And you're not withholding anything back from America. But, God, you have something special reserved for this time and this era. Lord, I, no matter what the past couple months have been like, we believe that 2020 still has a, has a, has a plan in your heart. And we thank you that the church and the body of Christ still stands victorious in your name. You're still on the throne, Jesus. You're still uh, the one high and lifted up. And tonight we just recognize that your presence is here. And we ask that you would increase. We ask that you would come stronger and stronger. We ask that the love of God would be poured out like an outpouring in people's hearts for people who don't know you. God, I just need to welcome right now a spirit of prayer to increase in this place. Lord, a spirit of intercession where we would corporately just lift up our voices and, and engage with you as the one true living God. We say you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And tonight we believe that you're moving in our midst. You're a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper. You're mighty to save. You're mighty to deliver. There's nothing too hard for you. And so we say amen. 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 Wow. Awesome. Gonna get stirred up tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, this is awesome. This is the first time uh, preaching in maybe like three months for me. And uh, my wife, Jordan, and our baby Zion are here. And uh, they just came in. And so, uh, hun, why don't you stand up with Zion? I don't know if you got them all strapped in or anything. But I'll, uh, we'll have him come up and let you guys see him. Yeah, he's grown a lot since last time. He's growing like a weed and he's got all these teeth in his mouth. Maybe I can show you in a sec. <laughs> So this is my wife Jordan and our baby Zion. Got anything to say, Zion? Zion, you got anything to say? 
I always get him to laugh by saying, ouchie. <laughs> I don't know what it is, it's just that word for some fun. Say it. Say it. Ouchie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's a happy baby, and uh, sometimes he gets a little freaked out with loud noises, so we had it in the back. But, uh, but my wife is here, too, and we're just excited to be back. We love coming here. We love you guys, and so... Thank you, Lord, for family. Amen? Amen. And having a whole lot of family. Recently, Jordan's been at home, and some of you probably got cabin fever doing all kinds of crazy stuff at home, and I shaved my head. You know, I got I got to the point where I was like, I, I don't know any barbers that are open, so I just shaved my head, and my, my poor hair is growing back and everything, but it's been wild, man, and uh, I'm just happy to be back in church. Happy to be around the move of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, the Lord doesn't need physical contact per se to move. Um, I was thinking of this story actually, and I, I felt like I needed to share this because I, I felt like it was going to build some of your eyes faith. Because God's going to move sovereignly in the room tonight, I feel like. You know, um, it, it's just going to be a different flow. And it's okay to get creative. God's not intimidated by any of this, by the way. <laughs> He's not intimidated by any of this. And I was thinking of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you guys have ever heard of Smith? Uh, he was called the Apostle of Faith. And he was a British man uh, known for his healing ministry and uh, known for his violent healing ministry, I should say. He had a gift of faith on his life. And sometimes the Lord would lead him to do crazy things and, and God would back it up. And he personally saw 23 people raised from the dead in his ministry. And, and one of those was his own wife, his wife collapsed dead and he raised his wife from the from the dead and so he was a mighty man of God and he was ministering in uh, in Sweden and uh, he was praying for people you know laying hands on the sick people were testifying of being healed and uh, the government didn't like it and they actually put him in jail and said that he was practicing medicine without a license and so they lock him up and they finally get him uh, he finally convinces him to let him out, and he asks, well, can I continue my, uh, my gatherings that I was doing and continue praying for people? And uh, they said, yeah, you can continue your gatherings. The only stipulation is you can't lay hands on people and pray for anyone any, anymore. And so he said, okay, well, I guess I'll just have to come up with another way. And that's when he discovered that God can heal people en masse, that he doesn't need to actually touch them. And he called it wholesale healing. <laughs> so he just figured, I can pray en masse in the same God, you know, just as if we were to, you know, pray a prayer and receive Christ in our heart. The same faith that it takes to receive salvation for your soul is the faith that takes to receive salvation for your body. Yes, Lord. And so all you need to do is look to Jesus and ask yes. Jesus. Come on. And Jesus will touch you. Yes. And so Smith figured this out. And, you know, I received this years ago. My wife and I started to get this revelation that. We can just pray, and the Bible says that God sends forth his word and heals them Amen. and delivers them from their destruction. And so I started to get this, and one night my wife and I, we got creative. This was a few years back in the state of Kansas. Uh, we decided we're going to do what's called a cell phone service. And people are like, what, what's that? And you guys are probably like, okay, it's a cell phone service. Well, we told everyone to come that night and to be ready to call their loved ones from uh, – from states far and wide, even if they're in another country, but to call their loved ones who are sick who couldn't come to the meeting, and we were going to pray for them via FaceTime, we were going to pray for them over the phone, all because of the principle that there's no distance in the spirit, and God sends forth his word and heals them, and delivers them from destruction. 
So we had the craziest miracles, you guys, break out over the phone. I'm, I'm FaceTiming people, and I'm pointing my finger, and I'm praying over them on the phone. Be healed in Jesus' name. And they're getting healed instantly wow. right there on the phone. And we had one woman uh, come to the meeting, and her son uh, was colorblind, severely colorblind. And my wife had a word of knowledge that God wanted to heal someone with colorblindness. So this woman calls her son, who's maybe uh, 13, 14 years old, and he's home. And we pray for him over the phone. And uh, we have him to check his eyes after we pray. And he goes, well, I need to go look outside to see what the sky looks like. Because for him, the sky was like all red. His blues were red and his reds were blues. And the, and the, gra the green grass was all purple and everything all before him. And so he goes out and he looks at the sky and he starts choking up on the phone. He we got him on speakerphone on the mic. And we're like, what do you see? And he's like... The sky is so pretty. And he's crying and every one of us starts start bawling. Wow. The holiness of God just comes in the room and we're all crying. Because this kid gets instantly healed of colorblindness over the phone. And, uh, and we, we brought the, or the mom, brought the kid the next night and he came and testified in front of everybody. And he said that his eyes are totally healed. That he, he can see things like the way he should be perfect. And he was severely colorblind. And think about this, guys. This is what's powerful. Not only did he receive a miracle, but he said, I want to live my whole life for Jesus. Amen. And he said, actually, I want to be a preacher. And I want to pray for the sick. Man, that's what it's all about. Amen. It's not about just the miracle. The miracle points to someone else. Miracles are amazing, but it's not the end-all, be-all. God wants to touch your body and make no, make no mistake, but he wants your heart. He wants your soul. And Jesus... Uh, prayed for the sick because it demonstrated the love of God. It demonstrated his heart that he cares for them and that he loves him. Jesus didn't just heal people because he was powerful and he had the ability to do it. He did it because he was moved with compassion, the Bible says. He, he, some translations would even say he was overflowing with compassionate willingness. That Jesus, it was just in his will. He just wanted to do it. And so tonight, I'm going to tell you, not only can Jesus heal you, not only can Jesus save you, not only can Jesus deliver you or, or touch your life, He wants to. Amen. He, in fact, He's overflowing, He's bursting out the seams, ready to do it. Amen. And the Bible says He watches over His work, ready to perform it. He's so ready. And sometimes we're, we think that we have to beg Him, and we have to pull God's arm, to, just to get a little blessing down from heaven. But what if we came to God with a fresh expectation that he's my father and he loves me and he wants to. And he cares about me. And no matter what I've done in my life, no matter how far gone I've been, God has a plan for me and he, and he wants to break through in my life. But it's the enemy that lies to us and says that we have to qualify in order to earn. It's this transactional lie that we have to do X, Y, and Z in order to receive from God. Instead of just coming to him like a child and saying, God, I believe. I believe that you're good. And here in a bit, I'm going to share my testimony and talk a little bit. Because I, I understand I come here a lot, but there's always different people. And just by a show of hands, how many of you guys have never met me before or, you know, seen me? So, see, there's quite a few of you who've never even seen me or heard of me. And uh, it's awesome. I like that. And uh, I get to share my story and bless people. But... Um, Honored to be here. Before I get into my message and everything, 
You guys thought I was already in my message, but before I get into my message, I just want to give this away. Um, I didn't bring a box or anything uh, of these, but this is my book, uh, Partakers of the Divine. I just want to give this away to someone tonight. Um, this uh, includes my testimony, but it's a lot more than that. It's really a blueprint into living a life with God. So I talk a lot about prayer. I talk a lot about knowing who you are in Christ. I talk about how to um, walk in our destiny, and there's a lot of keys and things that will help you guys out, and um, I always like to bring some of these and just give them one away whenever I speak, and so um, before, I don't want to just pick anyone randomly, but, but um, I want to be led by the Spirit, because I keep getting this name uh, just stirring in my heart, and I want to ask if there's, um, is there an Amanda here tonight? Like, Amanda, I keep hearing the name Amanda. Does that make sense? Is there an Amanda? I guess you would know by now if your name is Amanda. And okay. Amanda. All right. See, sometimes I miss it, but usually I'll pray and ask the Lord um, for details on who I'm supposed to give this to. And I felt like there was an Amanda. And guys, I, um, sometimes this gets crazy. I was recently in the Philippines in the month of January. And I, I was about to do a meeting, and I had one of my books, and I was going to give it away just so I can give it away now. And I was praying, and usually God would give me, like, a name or, a, like, a, like, a birthday or something like that. And so I was praying, and I got, like, these series of numbers. It was some – I don't remember all the numbers, but it was 439918, something like that. And I got these numbers, and I thought, well, maybe these are, like, two birthdays or something, and I should give two books away or whatever. And so I call out uh, one of them. I said, does 413 mean anything to anyone? And uh, no one responded, you know. And I was like, oh, dang, I missed it. And then, and then I go, what about 918? And someone came up, that's my birthday. And so I had this word for them. And then later on, this person comes up to me, and they said, I was too afraid to come up, but uh, 413918 is actually my bank PIN code. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Whoa. Like, yeah, Holy I didn't cow. want anyone to know my bank password. <laughs> but it was my pink Oh, my gosh. And I, and wow. I, like, I can't make that up, you know. But uh, uh. God's fun. And God, God knows it. But anyway, so there's no Amanda. That's awesome. Everyone's like, I'm a man. No. <laughs> uh, okay, how about this? Um, does April 14th mean anything to someone? Like 414? April 14th, is that like a birthday or an anniversary or anything like that? Anyone? Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you come here, man? Oh, wow. What's your name? And what's what's your girlfriend's name? Nancy. Nancy? Nancy. Okay. It's on my Facebook. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to give this to you. I want to pray for you. Can you hold up your hands, man? Is it okay if I just... Pray a blessing, pray over you. So Jonathan, so four fourteen is a significant day. That's when you and your your lady friend got together. Wow! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, God, I bless Jonathan. And um, Jonathan, I actually, as I'm praying for you, I'm seeing this vision, and I'm seeing you uh, busting through a wall. And it's like I see you you running headfirst and busting through this this wall. And to me, that speaks of breaking through. It speaks of breaking through hard times and hard places. And it speaks of you you running headfirst, focused on the things of the Lord. And I feel like God's giving you brand new focus. And I see you like a bull in a china shop. It's like a bull that sees red, and you're focused. 
and, and you're, you're pressing through and you're breaking through. And the Lord wants to encourage you that your, your effort has not been in vain and that your pursuit uh, towards him and towards uh, chasing after him has not been a waste of time. But uh, you don't even know how close you are to breakthrough and towards um, uh, breaking into uh, the next chapter of your life. But I see the Lord opening up a brand new door. You're crushing through the other side of things. You're, 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 you're literally becoming an overcomer in this season. And Jonathan, I just want to pray that over you and encourage you to keep pressing through. And uh, the Lord has a covenant promise. Uh, I believe for you and your girlfriend, and, and I feel like God wants to um, bring you guys into even a deeper connection, mm. and it's going to be Him. Mm. It's not going to be something that you two uh, muster up together, but it's Him standing in the middle of you. And Oof. I thank you, God, that you would be the author of the relationship, and you would be the finisher yes. of the relationship. You. you would be the head and the tail. You would be uh, yes. in between and all around, and thank you would you, inspire Jesus. them, and you would lead them, and I pray for them right now. And I thank you, God, that you see them and you know them in Jesus' name. Be blessed. All right. You guys hungry tonight? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, I do have a word. Let's see how this goes tonight. I want to talk about... Uh, I want to talk about... The Dread Champions. And some of you guys are going to be like, what does that mean? And I'm going to define it in a minute. As I was praying, the Lord was speaking to me about an army, the army of the Lord, called the Dread Champions. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a few days now. And he said, this is what I want you to release the fourth dimension. This is what I want you to pray into it. And preach into when you go to fourth dimension on Saturday night. And um, I'm going to define what this is. But in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, there's this uh, scene where Joshua sends out spies to go to Jericho. And I don't have time to read the whole story for you tonight. But these two spies arrive in Jericho. And when they get there, they uh, stay with a woman named Rahab. And Rahab tells them. That when they heard that they were coming, their hearts melted and trembled because they knew that their God was coming with them. And they said that when we heard that you were coming, the dread of God came over us because we know that your God is the God who parted the Red Seas so that you could cross through. We know that your God is the God that handled the Amorites. And so when we heard that you two were coming, our hearts melted. And dread came upon us. And so the definition of a dread champion is someone in whom God moves so strongly with that they are no longer afraid of the devil because the devil is afraid of them. Mm. And God began to speak to me about a company of people that he wants to rise up in this hour. A company of fearless ones. People who don't fear man. People who don't fear the devil. But people who will rise up into such a place of dominion in his kingdom where the devil's actually afraid of them. That's the army of the Lord. That, you've probably heard the phrase, the end time army. That's what that army is going to look like. They're not afraid. They're not bound by the spirit of fear. But they bind the spirit of fear. Come on. And so Rahab said, we trembled. Our hearts melted. 
holy dread came over us just at the sound of you two coming. Now notice it wasn't the sound of God coming. It was the sound of his messengers coming. Think about this. The two messengers came to Jericho and at the sound of them coming, their hearts melted. Because they knew that when they come, the children of Israel, when they come, their God comes with them. See, you'll get to a point in your walk with Christ where you start to become an overcomer. And you start to win battles and you start to defeat the enemy. And you begin to build up a holy reputation in the spirit realm. Whew. Where when you go to someone's house, God comes with you. When you go into your workplace, Holy Ghost comes with you. Amen. Hallelujah. You get to, you know, when you're a preacher like myself, you come to a nation and God comes with you. The God you serve comes with you and follows you everywhere that you go. And Jesus said it like this, I'm going now, but I'm going to give you the helper and he'll remain with you forever. Hallelujah. And so there's something about crossing over into a place of dominion and authority where God wants to take you from darkness and translate you into light so that you release light back into the darkness. And God has a reputation of taking those who are totally radical on the dark side, touching their life in such a dynamic way where they begin to work on the other side. And they begin to defeat the kingdom of darkness every day of their lives. Yes. That's, that's ultimately the, the point and the purpose of the Great Commission. It's not just to get people saved, but to get the Holy Ghost inside of them so that they become damaged to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. You're not just called. You're not just called to be a pew warmer or a Christian. Come on. Come on. A friend of mine, he was preaching and he said it like this. He was quoting Romans 8, 14. He said, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Everyone else, they're just Christians. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Everyone else, they're just Christians. You're not just called to be a Christian. You're called to be a son. You're called to be a daughter. Come on. You're called to walk in this earth with your head up high with authority. And God has a plan for each and every one of you. And it doesn't matter where you've been, how far you've been, what your background is. What really matters is right now and what God is saying right now for you. Listen, the enemy will get you so entrapped in your past and, yeah. and, and it will get you so distracted with what you've done that you forget what he's done. And you forget what he's doing. And you and look, the media is so good at distracting all of us, you know, getting us preoccupied with all of this junk. Just all of, the, all of this stuff. And, and as Christians, we shouldn't be preoccupied with the distractions of the media and the distractions of what's happening in our world. Listen, every day is a good day in the spirit. Come on. Every day is a good day in the kingdom. Come on, so in the world, they can have all of their earthly you know, circumstances, all the earthly times and seasons can come. But when you live in the spirit, you live in his times and seasons. The world can suffer with coronavirus and, you know, and, and that's horrible that that's happening. But as a believer, you can rise above and live in the spirit and overcome the world. Amen. Jesus said. Amen. 
Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yep. Well, let me open the Bible. Um, or my Bible app. But uh, go with me to Mark chapter 5. If you have a Bible tonight. And if not, just listen with ears to hear. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5. And I'm talking about the dread champions. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. This is a, a famous passage. Many of you guys have probably heard this before. Some of you may not have. But um, in Mark chapter 5, let's see, I think it's verse 1. Verse 1, this is a story of a man named Legion. And you'll see what I mean here in a sec. Uh, it says, they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of uh, the Gerasenes, where he got out of the boat, and immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus, say seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do you have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for there are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So what's happening here is Jesus meets a man at the Gerasenes. And this is a man which the Bible says has an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. And this unclean spirit was tormenting the man. How many of you guys know we don't war against flesh and blood? It's not a natural battle that we're facing. It's not a psychological battle that we're facing. I'm going to tell you that we don't debate and argue with darkness. Darkness must be cast out with light. So this is not a natural uh, state of affairs that this man is in. He's not in, in some sort of psychosomatic warfare where he's lost his mind per se. This is a, a, a tormenting spirit that's attacking this man's life. And it said that he was so tormented by uh, spirits, so possessed by the demonic, that he had supernatural strength where he could rip chains off of him. And he was so tormented that he was cutting himself and gashing himself with stones. But it said, seeing Jesus from a distance. In other words, he saw Jesus coming and his demons began to cry out. Don't torment me. What do you want to do with me, son of David? In other words, Jesus started to come into the scene. And the demons in the man came under such a fear, such a trembling, such a, such a dismay that they began to cry out. And they said, who are you, son of God? Son of man, what do you want to do with us? And they're, they're begging him, don't torment us. Right. Think about this. The holy dread came on. The holy dread on Jesus came on the demonic when he showed up. 
So I'll finish. I don't have time to read the whole story, but you see that Jesus casted these spirits out of the man, and they went into pigs, and I don't have time to explain why they went into the pigs. I know everyone wants to know, why did Jesus let them go into the pigs so that the pigs could drown and all of that stuff? I don't have time to go into all that. <laughs> read the story yourself. But uh, in verse 15, this is what happens afterwards. It says, They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. Sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had been the legion. And they, and they became frightened. Look at that. The locals who are around observing what's happening. It says, they became frightened. Those who had seen, uh, seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man. And all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave their region. They're like begging him, please leave. <laughs> you crazy son of God, you. <laughs> He's like showing up and, and, and working miracles and casting devils out. And the locals are like, please leave. <laughs> You're starting to scare us. And so <laughs> they were frightened. And uh, let's see where I am. Imploring him that he might. Uh, oh, sorry. There we are. Okay. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he had mercy on you. Amen. And he went away and began to proclaim. Say proclaim. proclaim. He began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Come on somebody. I want you to see what's happening here. Here's a man. Who had a reputation of darkness. A reputation of being so demon filled that he was a lunatic. And seeing Jesus, his demons trembled and screamed out of him. He gets delivered. And the scenario brings so much holy fear and dread that the locals watching, the bystanders watching, are, are overcome. And they're like, please leave. Like they couldn't handle the glory that was in their midst. And this man, obviously delivered, obviously touched, obviously thankful, he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. But how many guys know Jesus had another way in which he could follow him? Yep. He said, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go. And I want you to proclaim what has been done to you. I want you to go into your city and into the people in which you have a reputation around. And I want you to proclaim the mercy of God. I want you to go... Into uh, the place where your relatives know who you are. Into the place where people knew you. For your darkness. For your past. And I want you to go evangelize them. I want you to, I want you to be my witness. Come on somebody. This is how it works. You who were once darkness. Ephesians 5.8. You who were once darkness have now become light. And the thing is, is that God will sometimes deliver you and then send you into the place so that you can be a light to deliver those who are still bound and who are still in darkness. That's what it means to be a dread champion of the Lord. But here's the thing. The enemy wants to so lie to you and so veil you that you never see Jesus. Thank God the man saw Jesus. The Bible says seeing Jesus from afar. Hallelujah. But the Bible also says that the God of this world veils those from seeing the light of the gospel. 
But we are the ones who remove the veil. Amen. We are the ones who release the veil off of unbelievers' faces. But the enemy wants to lie to you so that you never even become born again. Listen to me tonight. The enemy will lie to you so that you never receive the truth of the gospel. And so that you never become born again because he knows that the second you pray with sincerity to ask Jesus in your heart, the second you become born again is the second he loses dominion over you. That the moment you say, yes, Jesus, come live inside of me, he loses property over you. Yeah. Yeah. You no longer become his jurisdiction. Amen. But now you have jurisdiction over him. Yes, he knows the second someone lets the light of the gospel inside of their heart Amen. that he's in trouble. Amen. So he does everything that he can to prevent you from seeing and recognizing the truth and receiving Christ on the inside of you. Because he knows that as soon as you do it, he loses power. But let's just say you do receive Christ and you do receive the power of the Lord. Because I believe, I believe immediately when we become born again, God takes residency on the inside of us and we have power. Yes. I believe that. But having power and knowing we have power are two different things. Yes. See, the next phase is if, if you do become born again and you do receive Jesus, then the enemy thinks, well, crap, he became born again. Now I have to lie to him to convince him that he doesn't have power and that this is just religion. Now I have to somehow get him to believe that this is all just, you know, tradition and that this is, that, that, that the Bible doesn't really mean that we receive power, that we've received authority or that, you know, by faith we can do this and that. He, he, he tries to lie to you to get you to uh, be blinded to the fact that something has now happened to you. And that you're actually a new creation in Christ. Come on. 2 Corinthians 5 says, If any man, if any man, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. The new things have to come. Man, in my own life, and this is where I'll get to my story. My own life, um, I have a unique testimony in that I was born uh, with a rare eye disease and I never thought I would be doing this. I never thought I'd be a preacher or anything. I actually thought I was going to live my life as a blind man because uh, when I was maybe eight years old, doctors told me that my eyes were going to just progressively get worse. And uh, they said that maybe by the time I was 10 years old, I would lose my full vision. And so I just started expecting a life of, you know, learning how to read Braille. And I thought maybe I would get a seeing eye dog and a cane. and That was going to be my life, you know, and I never thought anything else could come of it. And then I got to 10 years old and uh, nothing really had changed. And they said, well, you know, maybe it's working a little slower. Maybe by the time you're 17 or 18 years old, you'll start to really lose your vision. And I wouldn't expect any longer than that. And, and this is the report from the doctor, right? So the doctor has his reports, and, you know, but the report isn't the truth, amen? amen. And so anyway, um, this, is, this is my level of expectation. I just thought, well, I better get ready you know, because this is the, the card I've been handed. and It produced so much bitterness inside of me. I thought, you know, man, if there really is a God, he must love some people, hate other people because some people have it made. They're not sick, and 
they're wealthy and blessed and they're doing good and and um, and then there's some people who are suffering and I begin to you know recognize man there's homeless people and man there's people who are you know are, are really battling in this life and people who are born with abnormalities and sicknesses and diseases and here I am you know I'm a good person but why was I born the way I was born and I'm asking these questions as a young boy you know honest legitimate questions and listen you know those questions shouldn't those questions should lead you closer to the heart of God because there are answers. I know God is wrapped up in mystery, but there, there, there is a truth of the gospel. There is a truth in, in Christ where God can fulfill you and God can bring you comfort in the midst of those uncertainties. And it took me forever to realize this, and I'm going to cut to the chase. When I was 19 years old, I started to come around you know, to, to, to Christ, I started to warm up to the idea of the gospel. And, uh, I was probably at that point, you know, a nominal Christian already, you know, just I liked maybe going to church here and there. I liked, you know, the idea of God. And even though in my heart I still had a lot of doubts and was struggling with the whole, you know, concept of miracles and, and uh, being whole. And I didn't really expect anything from God. I just thought maybe serving God was the good thing to do. But anyway, I got invited to a church meeting when I was 19 years old, and I was a college student, desperate for God. I, want, I wanted to know Him. I wanted a touch from Him. And so I came to this meeting with an open heart, and I came ready for something to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen, and I didn't even know what kind of meeting it was going to be. And lo and behold, I get to this place, and it's totally different than what I'd ever seen. I mean, first of all, the presence of God, I call it the whoosh. <laughs> it went whoosh. <laughs> now you know what I mean. <clears throat> it was the whoosh of God, and, and the presence just came crashing in. And I was overcome by the glory that was in the room. And next thing I know, miracles, signs, and wonders are taking place in the room. And I'm seeing people who are sitting next to me, strangers I don't know, who are getting instantly healed in the meeting of different stuff. And, and crazy signs started taking place that would that would blow your mind. And I'm looking at this and, and I'm kind of skeptical. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is it's cool, but I don't know. And I don't know what to think. Well, long story short, I was invited to the front at the end to, you know, line up and receive prayer. And I had the preacher pray and lay hands on me. And when the preacher prayed and lay hands on me, the power of God went through my body in a way that I can only describe to feel like electricity. But yet as the lightnings of God, if you will, surged through my body, it, the way it was translated to me was the love of God. It was power. It was like electricity. But in my knower, in my, my spirit, man, I knew this is the love of God. And the Bible says in Romans 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It's, uh, one way you can translate it is, that uh, the love of God is poured out like an outpouring inside of our hearts. And so for me, when this man laid hands on me, it was like the violent love of God just <laughs> surged in my body. And I was on the ground shaking and crying and laughing all at the same time. And I don't even know how that's humanly, possi uh, humanly possible, but it is. <laughs> and uh, it is good stuff. It's the best stuff. Yeah. And I was messed up for three whole months, if you can believe it. Three long months, I was messed up in a good way. 
Uh, however, my, my family and my friends were concerned because they knew something was going on and they were really on the fence. They thought, they thought something happened to me. And, uh, but I was just so overcome by the Lord. And I would go to church and, and it was like night and day where it was like adding color to black and white. Like it, it was like adding, adding, adding a new dimension, you know, the, the fourth dimension. <laughs> Amen. I, it was just different. And I, I had like this new knowing of the Lord and I knew that God was good, uncompromisingly good. I just knew in my, my knower here, my inner man, that God is so good. And I'm going to tell you from that moment on, my eyes have not decreased, but my eyes have increased. My eyes have got better and better and better. Especially when I begin to realize that the enemy has no legal right over me. Amen. And he has no right to hinder my vision. He has no right to cause blindness or anything like that. And I begin to recognize in the Bibles that Jesus is a miracle man and that he healed the sick. And and so I began to receive this for myself. And then here's the thing. Not too long after that, the Lord began to challenge me to start praying for the sick and to start ministering to people with various types of conditions. And I got so hungry for God, I would start going out on the streets and offering prayer. This was before I knew of people like Todd White or uh, any of those guys who were out doing street evangelism and praying for people, you know. Uh, this is before I ever knew of any anyone like that. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to lead anyone to the Lord or, you know, uh, pray a, a quote-unquote sinner's prayer or anything like that. I was just zealous and on fire. And so I would go out and I would offer prayer. And I, would, I felt like the Lord started to lead me to pray for people with crutches and canes and people in wheelchairs and people with different things going on. And I started to see God move. But at first, it was a real hindrance because the enemy would lie to me and he would say that you have to be healed first in order for you to see people healed. And that you need to wait until you receive your own miracle before you could ever be used by God. And so for me, my, my phase into stepping into what I would call the army of the Lord or becoming a dread champion was, first of all, forsaking the, the limitations and the, and the ways in which the enemy would try to disqualify me. By telling me I need to be healed in order to see people touched or blessed. And before God could ever use me, I needed to get all of my ducks lined up in a row. But, and so for me, I had to break out of that. And I, my, my obstacle may not have been you know, uh, drug addiction or it may not have been alcoholism. It may not have been you know, uh, a rough life like that. Uh, but my, my issue was, man, I was a broken, hateful person. I contemplated suicide. I was depressed. I had no real reason other than my handicap to really be upset. I had loving parents, all of those things, but yet I wasn't fulfilled and I, I hated life. I was empty. I was broken. And the only thing I knew to do was just turn to Jesus. You know, even in the midst of uncertainty, I didn't know, I didn't know the truth. I didn't know if this was all real. But I gave God my heart by faith. I said, I'm going to come, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to give Jesus a, a chance. And when I did, that's when I got touched by the power of God. And let me tell you guys, there's, there's no mistaking it. And there's no replacing it. There's nothing that can compare. Some people say there's no high like the most high, and it's true. And my goodness, I believe God wants to release something more addictive than heroin. 
I believe God's got something better than any drug or any drink or any anything that a woman can satisfy or anything anything in this life. Jesus fulfills it all. But the enemy wants to veil us in such a way where we never see the light. We never come into the truth because he knows what will happen if you do. He knows that you'll begin to turn around just like Paul who was once Saul. Saul was a murderer killing Christians. In the book of Acts, Christianity was starting to spread. The disciples were beginning to preach and, and, and Paul was killing Christians himself. But it says that he was on the road to Damascus on his way to kill some Christians. <laughs> He's on the road to Damascus and the light of the Lord blinds him and he falls off of his horse. And the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it was in that moment that Saul became Paul. And a man who was once a murderer became a dread champion for the Lord. And now three-fourths of the New Testament is written by this man. And he says in Galatians chapter 1, I didn't receive this gospel by man. I didn't receive this gospel by, by being taught or by being educated, but by a direct revelation of Jesus himself. Yes. Come on. There's a woman at the well. And maybe we can have keyboard and we can shift gears in a second here and just just get into a place of worship there was a woman at the well and she was a Samaritan woman and by culture she was considered a foreigner and an outcast and Jesus comes to her and by word of knowledge he tells her that you've had five husbands she, he asked where's your husband and she said, you know, he's not here. And, uh, and Jesus reveals, you've, you've actually had five husbands. And the one that you're with isn't your husband right now. And he wasn't doing that to shame her, but to reveal that he knows her. And the impact was so strong on this woman. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I perceive you're the one. That you're the Messiah. And it says that she too went into Samaria and she began to proclaim Christ. And when you look into this woman's life, history tells us that she actually became a martyr. And I forget her name. I think her name was Fotenai was her name. But she was a martyr for Christ. She had such a revelation of Jesus, such a love for Jesus after this one simple exchange that she proclaimed Jesus to the entire city. And she was killed for her faith and even recognized in church history as now a saint. This woman who was once a reject, an outcast, totally thrown away from society. Man, God loves the outcasts. He loves the nobodies. Tommy Tenney, the revivalist, he used to say that God's favorite number is zero. God's not looking for somebody. He's looking for the nobodies. He's looking for those who say, I'll pour out everything I have. I'll empty myself. And God, I'm willing to exchange my life for your life. And I feel like there's a holy invitation tonight to come out of darkness and into the light. To come out of bondage and into freedom. The Lord wants to offer an invitation here as we're breaking out of lockdown and as we're coming into things. Let me tell you, God, God is doing something fresh in America. 
God is moving in America. I'm not just saying that. God is moving in America. There's something about to happen. There's something in the spirit that's about to take place. But God is looking for an army. And he's looking for people who will, who will come in and say, I want to be a direct champion for the Lord. I don't want to be bound by darkness any longer. I want to fight for the other side. Listen, if you're a radical for darkness, why not be radical for light? It's a shame to me that people who are once so radical for darkness and, and for the things of the devil come into the kingdom and they think that they have to be all polished and neat and religious. Listen, God's looking for the wild ones. Come on. And in this next generation, the move of God isn't going to happen amongst people wearing suits. Not that I'm against suits. I own suits. <laughs> but the move of God isn't going to happen among people who are polished and clean and neat and have everything together. <laughs> because God has always wanted to move amongst the least of these. Yeah. Amen. So how many guys are ready tonight? I want to do this. I, I'm going to honor the house. And, and we're going to do things differently. I'm not going to... I'm not going to physically touch you unless you want me to. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with it. But what I'm going to do right now is I want every person to close their eyes. And I want you just to focus on Jesus because Jesus is here tonight. And Jesus has something for you. No matter where you are, whatever walk of life you're in, whether you're a seasoned Christian, or whether you're brand new to all this and your first time hearing about the gospel, Jesus is here for you. In fact, I like to meditate on the, on the truth that, that Jesus would have willingly died just for one soul. He leaves the 99 for the one. I meditate on that and I think of my God. If, if only one person responds in their heart to Jesus, it would have been all worth it for him to die, to bleed, and to suffer. I want you just to picture the Lord high and lifted up. He died for you, my friend. He really did die for you. I'm not even talking on just, oh, because the Bible tells me so. No, it's proven in history and it's a fact. There was a man named Jesus. He lived and walked on this earth. He had disciples. He healed the sick. He cared for the widows. He preached the kingdom. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost of power, freeing those oppressed by the devil. And he did die on a cross. And he did uh, raise from the dead. It's real. Jesus is real. And the Bible says he's the same yesterday today and forevermore. My friends, Jesus is opening an invitation for you to receive Him as King of your life tonight. And right now, with every eye closed, every person just focusing on the Lord, I want you to begin to think about Thank that. you so much for listening. If you choose to... And what I want to do next is I want to... Listen and find us on Facebook and Instagram or give on PayPal 40 Ministries. Ask Jesus God bless. Bye-bye.